Hello and welcome to this vidcast in which I will talk to you about a leader in retail distribution in France, Carrefour, its stock market credibility, its margin policy in an inflationary environment. Let's first start with the announcement made by the company July the 12th this year. The company announces that it buys Cora and matches 175 points of sales. They are in the same business and it's a perfect complement for Carrefour on a geographical point of view because these retailers are located in the east, northeast of France, which is where Carrefour is quite weak. And in addition to that, it's a significant increase contribution in terms of turnover with 5.2 billion euros. The EBITDA is 189 million euros. The margins are not very high because we are in a retail business, but these points of sales are still quite profitable. Carrefour accepts to pay an enterprise value of a little bit more than 1 billion euros. You remember that the enterprise value is the value of the business operations and it includes the debt of the company. Carrefour announces that they anticipate synergies of about 110 million euros. It's going to progressively show over the next three years. But of course, the day you anticipate synergies, you have to pay for restructuration costs. 200 million euros are anticipated. So if you calculate the multiple enterprise value divided by EBITDA, you get 5.6 without synergies and you get 3.5 with synergies. So it's quite a good deal. And the profession is going to say, bravo to Carrefour. It's a great announcement. It's a great business move. Unfortunately, the stock market will not be exactly of the same opinion. If you observe the evolution of the stock price in July after the announcement, Carrefour and the CAC 40, the French stock market index, they move in parallel. But at the end of July, there will be a very significant buy movement volume, which is going to drive the stock price up by 6%. During the months of August, Carrefour and CAC 40 parallel ways, and then the same volume, but sell, which is going to drive the stock price of Carrefour down by 5%. And then it's going to be further down. And over the entire period from the 12th of July to today, Carrefour is showing minus 2%. When the CAC 40 is quite stable, so the stock market is not enthusiastic about the move. Of course, today, Carrefour is a predator. But yesterday, it was a potential prey. In June 2021, we produced a vidcast, which was about the attempted takeover of Carrefour by Alimentation Couchetard, a company which is based in Quebec and which business is predominantly about gas distribution. But there were also some attempted discussions about mergers and so on and so forth with Auchan and Casino in France. All ended as failures. Nothing worked. But there's a common platform, if I may say, about all these attempts, which is the undervaluation of Carrefour. And then everybody says there is a kind of credibility gap at Carrefour. What does it mean, a credibility gap? What does it mean, you lack of a kind of credibility? It's a situation where the market valuation of the company is absolutely inconsistent with its current financial performance. 
Lack of means negative, but it can also be positive. Sometimes the market is kind of over-enthusiastic about the value of the company, even though the performance is a little bit poor. But in this case, we are showing a negative credibility gap. There's some skepticism. The market is waiting for something like enduring performance. Let me give you an example. Decades ago, Danone, the very famous food company, was in the glass business. Flat glass, packaging. And then the company made a strong strategic shift from glass to food. During a few years, the market was absolutely skeptical about the relevance of the shift and the ability of Danone to be successful in its new business. Then the market understood that it was a right shift with the right team, and then the stock price went up. You can also observe credibility gaps when companies are exiting from crisis. That's the example of the subprime crisis. A number of companies were devastated in terms of profitability as a consequence of subprime crisis. Then they recovered. But the market was absolutely not convinced that the recovery was sustainable and enduring. And then the market is waiting. The market is skeptical about the sustainability of the performance. Now, how long does it take to close this credibility gap? Closing means that the inconsistency becomes consistency. Well, to be honest, what I'm going to tell you is not very scientific. It's a result of my personal empirical observation of this kind of situation. Minimum four years. And what does it mean you close a credibility gap? When the credibility gap is negative, when the stock price is lower than what would be suggested by the return capital, Either the market is right or the market is wrong. If the market is right, it means that the return capital employed will fall, will go down to get adjusted to the stock price, which is consistent with the return capital and the performance. Or maybe the market is wrong and then the stock price is going to go up. But it takes minimum four years. In 2021, I was describing Alimentation Couchetard and Carrefour, and Walmart, and Tesco as a benchmarking exercise. We could discuss the return on capital, the return on sales, and so on and so forth, and the Marketo book. Marketo book is calculated dividing the enterprise value of the company, market capitalization plus net financial debt, divided by capital employed, which is the amount of money invested in business operations. So basically, you divide the value of the business operations by how much you invested. If it's more than one, you create value. If it's less than one, you destroy value. As far as Carrefour was concerned, the market to book was one. So there was no value creation, no value destruction, even though the return capital before tax was 12%. 12% before tax, it's about 8% after tax. It's more than the cost of capital. So the company was showing a positive performance. Still, it was not transformed into value creation by the stock market. Interestingly, at that time, Tesco was showing a higher return capital employed from 12 for Carrefour to 18 to Tesco. But the market to book was 1.5. So in the case of Tesco, there was also a credibility gap. Walmart was less profitable in terms of return capital than Tesco, with a rosé of only 17%. But the market to book was almost 3 so this company is experiencing a strong reputation capital on the stock market. 
As far as alimentation Kushtar was concerned, it was a little bit in between. The return capital was a little bit more than Tesco, 19 against 18, but the market to book was 2 against 1.5. So you understand that there are different situations within the same industry. Now that their company experiences a strong negative credibility gap, it's extremely painful to leave. Because the executive committee has regular meetings with the board, and the board says, you know what, the return capital is high, you are absolutely confident in the relevance of your strategy, but the market does not pay for it, the market does not buy your strategy and the sustainability of the performance. So there are very difficult discussions, especially when it lasts years, minimum four years, you remember. Now, I mentioned the return on capital as a way to evaluate the industrial performance of the company and the market to book as the relative value creation indicator. Of course, there is a strong correlation. And if you observe the evolution of Carrefour over 20 years, you understand that 20 years ago, the return on capital was more than 20% and the market to book was more than 2.5. And the return on capital employed started declining to get to the level of about 15% at the end of 2008-2009. The market to book went down, then they both stabilized, and then the return capital started significantly declining in 2016. Today, the return capital is relatively flat at about 12%, and the market to book is relatively flat at 1%. To calculate the return on capital employed, you have to take into consideration the commercial profitability and the assets productivity. Commercial profitability, let's start with the gross margin. Sales minus cost of sales minus cost of purchases. 20 years ago, it was about 23%, quite flat. And then it started declining in 2016, 17, and so on. And today, the gross margin rate is about 20%. So the company lost 3% in the gross margin, not 3% in the EBITDA. Because the EBITDA was about 7% in 2003, it went down to 5 and today it's a bit up at the level of around 6%. So you lose 3% in the gross margin and only 1% in the EBITDA. What about sales divided by property, plant and equipment? It's the productivity. It's the ability of the company to generate revenues out of each and every euro invested in the fixed asset, in a tangible fixed asset. In 2003, the figure was about six euros of revenues for one euro of property, plant and equipment. It went up from six to seven, and then it started declining. And today it's about five, reasonably stable. That's for the return on sales, commercial profitability, and for the productivity of the long-term non-current assets. What about the current assets? The working capital requirement is strongly negative, and that's absolutely straightforward for a company in a retail business. There is no accounts receivable because people are paying cash. Of course, there's a little bit of accounts receivable because the franchisees, they pay their royalties with a delay, but it's not very big. What is very big in a cash conversion cycle is inventories and accounts payable, plus inventories, minus accounts payable. Inventories, they are about one month plus in terms of days of cost of goods sold, cost of revenues. And about accounts payable, it's significantly higher. The maximum was experienced in 2005. It was about 100 days. Then it slightly went down. And today, it's about 80 days. 
So when you combine inventories a bit more than one month and accounts payable a bit less than three months, how much do you get? A strongly negative cash conversion cycle. You get the money from your customers before you pay your suppliers. The cash conversion cycle is negative by about 40 days. So you understand that the company profits very much from this situation in terms of financing the fixed asset by the negative working capital requirement, something extremely classical in the retail business. Then we can use a famous DuPont and Nemo formula and calculate return on sales multiplied by assets turnover in order to get the return capital employed. The return on sales is EBIT divided by sales. 20 years ago, it was about 5%. Today, it's about 3%. So you lose 2% in terms of return on sales. The assets turnover very much is a consequence of sales revenues divided by property, plant, and equipment because the working capital requirement is quite negatively stable. And then the return capital employed, again, was more than 20% 20 years ago. And it's about 12% today. Declining trend. Once we have explained the components of the return capital employed and its evolution, we can try to measure this credibility gap. There's one interesting way to do it, which is to calculate a kind of theoretical market to book as opposed to an actual market to book. What does it mean, theoretical market to book? We are going to calculate the enterprise value divided by capital employed as it should be, assuming a quite pessimistic assumption, which is there is absolutely no growth in the revenues, in the profit, in the free cash flow. Corporate finance gives us an interesting formula, which is market to book is Rose after tax divided by weighted average cost of capital. Now, this is quite interesting to understand that this theoretical market to book is not very far from the financial performance. Financial performance, you remember, is not Rose, it's Rose against WAC. If the Rose after tax is greater than the weighted average cost of capital, then the economic profit is positive and the company is performing. And then the market to book is greater than one because Rose is more than the WAC, so the numerator is greater than the denominator. This is showing again the consistency in financial theory between the economic performance and the value creation. Now, if you plot on a graph the market to book no growth versus the market to book actual, you understand that there is a perfect consistency between these two indicators from 2003 to 2013-14. Starting in 2014, there is a gap. The gap is created and is going to widen to get a maximum in 2021. Then, quite surprisingly, in 2022, there is a kind of closing, partial closing of the credibility gap. It's divided by two. This is a little bit surprising, but in fact, it's explained by the evolution of the long-term interest rate. When you calculate the weighted average cost of capital for a company, there is a very strong part of the calculation, which is a cost of equity, what is expected by shareholders. You remember that what is expected by shareholders is government bond rates, a risk-free rate, plus a risk premium, which is a beta systematic risk coefficient multiplied by the equity market risk premium. So the long-term interest rate is absolutely fundamental in the calculation of the cost of equity and in the calculation of the cost of capital. 
Observing the evolution of the long-term government bond rate in France shows the stability of the interest rates up to 2009. It was about 4%, and then there's a trend. It's declining and declining. It's going to be about zero in 2019, negative in 2020, zero again in 2021, and there's a very significant increase in 2022. Of course, the WAC is going to be strongly affected by this evolution of the interest rates. And if the WAC is up, the market to book at no growth is down. So basically, part of the story might be explained by the long-term interest rates and their evolution in the long term. But definitely, there is another set of explanations which you don't find in the calculations, in the financial calculations, but in the economics. Back to economics means look at inflation as a current environment. And certainly, as the economist used to say, it's an inflation which is going to be hard to bring down. It's long-lasting, unfortunately, very likely. Then when you observe that your production costs are increasing, what can you do? Of course, you can increase your sales price, but you can do it if and only if you have a strong power over your customers. The source of power might be the strength of your brands, the quality of your product in terms of innovation. Then if the customers really want or must buy your product, you can increase the sales price. And then it's going to compensate more or less the increase in your production cost. But there is a very important concept, which is taught first year at the university in microeconomics. It's a price, volume, sensitivity. When you increase your sales price, it might be at the expense of a decreasing volume. Of course, there is a very famous counterexample, which is luxury goods. If you increase the price, it looks more like a luxury product and then the volume is up. But we are not talking about luxury goods. We are talking about household consumptions. And then you understand that the day you want to take a decision, you are facing a trade-off. If you increase your sales price, maybe you can increase your short-term margins or you can maintain your margins at their current level. But it might be at the expense of the volume. It might be at the expense of your customer's portfolio. Now, if you want to keep your customers, then you have to accept to lose a little bit in terms of margins. This is a trade-off for which you need a decision. Now, when Carrefour takes a decision, the company is not alone on the planet and in France. They are number two in France. Number one is Leclerc. Leclerc is a company which is not listed. It's a company with centralized purchasing centers and adherents. They name themselves adherents and not franchisees. Why? Because there is a kind of common culture which was at the origin of the creation of Leclerc. Low prices, low prices, and low prices. The turnover generated by Leclerc in France was about 58 billion euros in 2022. Same year for Carrefour, it was only 42 billion. So you understand that Leclerc is a strong number one. A strong number one with very aggressive business practices. All the Leclerc suppliers know what it means. But it's also very lean in terms of business operations, cost-cutting, 
very frugal operations and very aggressive in terms of communication when they benchmark Leclerc with their competitors. The consequence is successful increase in the market share of Leclerc in France. Recently, the French business journal Les Echos produced some statistics provided by Cantar, the very well-known marketing consulting firm. If you look at the evolution in 2023 of the market share of Leclerc, beginning of the year 22.4, and then it went up and up and up. Today, the market share of the company is 23.9, increasing the market share by 1.5% in something like seven months is an outstanding commercial performance. Now, how do you gain market share? The first alternative is to sell your products at a cheaper price. But to sell cheaper, you need to reduce significantly your purchase prices and your operational cost. And when they are already quite low, what do you have to abandon? Your operating margins. It's not demonstrated, but there are a number of professionals in the industry who say that the adherent accept to sell today without any margin. So when you sell without margin, what does it mean? You have to make a living. They make a living from the real estate income they generate in a shopping mall. Because if you are an adherent of Leclerc, you are the owner of your point of sales in terms of market share, but in terms of premises as well, and you are the owner of the entire shopping mall. So basically, you are going to get some rental income. You are the landlord. There are tenants in the mall which are going to pay some rents. But you understand that it's not very big. So at the end of the day, the question is, is this very aggressive margin policy durable, sustainable, enduring? If you accept to have no operating margin, and for example, you have some debt, you have to be able to pay the interest and to repay the loan, then you understand that it is sustainable if and only if your gearing is at its minimum. So the question is very much, how do you get market share? You accept to abandon your margins, is it durable? That's a question. Now, there is another alternative to gain market share. External growth. You don't conquer customers, you buy them. The current market share of Carrefour is 20.1%. Cora and Match, all together, they represent 2.4%. So you understand that Carrefour is going to increase its revenues by 12% as a consequence of this acquisition. But 20.1 plus 2.4 is 22.5%. And Leclerc is still ahead of the team because they have 23.9% market share. Now, of course, this is a nice move. But a nice move in terms of growth, in terms of customer acquisition, should be accompanied with business, financial, economics, economies of scale, synergies. You have identified synergies. You remember 110 million. You have to implement them. Now, the day you reduce your cost and the day you improve your productivity, what's going to happen? Then you have the possibility, the ability to reduce your selling prices. But then it might be at the expense of your margin. Now, you understand that as a consequence of this acquisition, Carrefour is improving its ability to fight against Leclerc. But the question is, when you make an investment, who is going to profit from this investment? If you make an acquisition, you generate economies of scale, you improve your productivity, 
and you can reduce your selling prices or you can maintain them and then your margin will be quite the same but not as a percentage to revenues but in absolute terms what does it mean it means that you have invested for your customers you have not invested for your shareholders and this is very much the trade-off i was mentioning earlier customers first or shareholders first now i would like to conclude this vidcast with two comments. The first one is a little bit strategic comment. There's a kind of ideology about pure players. The company should be a pure player so that the asset managers know where they're putting their money. I have a quite mixed feeling about this ideology. If you take the example of a company like Procter & Gamble, business industrial conglomerate, years ago, there was a dominant business inside the portfolio of activities, which was Pampers. Pampers was absolutely dominant in its industry. And when Procter & Gamble needed to invest some cash in a business unit, Pampers was increasing in sales price. The competition was following. The company was generating tons of cash, which was reinvested somewhere else when it was needed by P&G. So there is a kind of financial rationality of this kind of conglomerate. Sometimes in a portfolio of activities, you have real estate, which is a case of Leclerc. And then there is another example I was privileged to observe. It's a Canadian company based in British Columbia, whose name is IntraWest. IntraWest is the number one operator for ski winter resorts in North America. So they are developing resorts and they are real estate developers. So they have construction rights, they exercise their rights, they build condos, flats, villas, and so on and so forth, which they sell. It's real estate development, but real estate development is a very volatile business because the sales price depends very much on the evolution of the market. When the sales price are down and you don't want to spoil your construction right, you have to keep on making a living. And this is why IntraWest is also an investor. IntraWest owns plenty of assets which are generating rental income and then you're not forced to exercise your construction rights when the market is not favorable. That's my first comment. The second comment is about inflation, back to inflation and business behavior. When you observe what is happening today in business, there are two completely different behaviors. Some companies want to maintain the level of their margins and then they increase their selling prices. They use the power of their brands in order to force a client to pay a higher price, even though it is at the expense of volume. There are some other companies or industries in which customer is definitely what is creating value in the long term. So as inflation is creating plenty of turbulences in some industries, it's a nice opportunity to win customers. And of course, if you win customers, it might be at the expense of the margins today. But when business and inflation are stabilized, then the customers are in your hands, then the price volume sensitivity is lower, and then you can restore your margin. In the case of Carrefour, maybe there is no credibility gap because maybe the market is understanding that Keeping the customers, winning the customers, maintaining the market share at a high level, it's going to cost some return on capital employed to the company. If you maintain your EBIT and you invest in the development of an acquisition, your return on capital is going to go down. So maybe the market has already anticipated that. 
But you understand that the day you accept to abandon some margins in order to keep or to win customers, that's much easier when you are a private company like Leclerc than when you are a listed company like Carrefour, which has to produce its income statement each and every quarter. Thank you very much.